Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast number 78. I'm your host, Brian. Joining me this evening, Kimberly. Hi there. And Ian. Hello. And of course, Max Sean. By a <laughs> dint of a lot of work and willpower to get everything ready and working by tonight, yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, he bothered me all weekend about his damn computer. Not all weekend. I left you alone on Saturday because I wasn't having a problem. <laughs> I popped a new motherboard into this, and while I'm excited about the new motherboard, there were some interesting challenges along the way. Well, that's One of those involves me being on Vista right now, which is in and of itself a challenge. Whew, that's, that's tough. Hmm. I might like Windows 8 less than I liked Vista. Yeah. You thought, yeah. I haven't, you, had I the haven't tried 8. You're saying Vista is better than the Windows 8 experience? I think so. I think Those so. are some strong words. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, I'm happy to, to use them too, because I am, I am really disliking the interface. Um, and I, if I had a touch screen at work, it might be better, but man, even like when turning Windows 8 off, is a challenge just to shut it down. It's a, and I, I can't find anything. And, and you might say, well, it's just because, you know, um, you're used to another interface. No, I, I don't know how you would find anything if you didn't actually know exactly what you're looking for. That, which I think is part of the problem. The interface should be, you know, intuitive so that you can, um, kind of, you know, f discover the stuff that you need. I, I think. And I can't, I, I don't know how anybody would do that in Windows 8. You know, this might sound like one of those crazy conspiracy theories, but if you take Vista, the word Vista, and you flip over the V and put it next to the A, and you superimpose the I, the S, and the T upon one another, it spells Millennium Edition. <laughs> yeah, good try, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. So I, I don't know. I will, I will be very much against. Yeah, yeah. I will be very much against moving any of my users to Windows 90 or Windows, uh, Windows 8. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing it. We're staying on 7. Windows 98. Yeah. No, maybe I'll go back to Windows 98. No, but no, um, I, we'll stay on 7. I, I won't move them to, to Windows 8. My, my users. Give me a Windows 98 64 bit and I'll take that. Oh, I wouldn't. You know, Windows 98 was really crap. I know. Um, and the Windows XP 64-bit edition, I understand that there's some interesting challenges with that, particularly in, in terms of my work. So, Well, that and drivers, I mean, they, it's not well-supported in the industry at all. It was, you know, I don't know why Microsoft did it. It was kind of an afterthought for them. They did it. Yeah. Um, but it Because they wanted to see if it could be done. Maybe. I don't know. It's, it's, it's not well supported. So, I mean, Windows 7, 64 bit, I'm pretty happy with. But if I had to move, if, you know, if Windows, um, 8 was my only option, I might consider Linux for all of my users. Yeah. Um, I, that might be a bit of a challenge, but because all of our backend systems are, are running on Linux, um, the integration would actually be, um, nicer than what we've currently got in a lot of ways. I hear your teal in the background. Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, we've got a um, we've got an aviary now. We really do. I think you've I think you've still got more birds than we do. You've got three. We've got three now. Okay. Yeah, I beat you. Yeah. But in terms of in terms of mass 
I don't know. I'd have to weigh Sydney against against the Eclectus. So, um, is it still no birds over here? Yeah, no birds over there. Is it a full size cockatoo, <laughs> or was it was it like one of the smaller breeds? The cockatoo? Yeah, it's a uh, it's an umbrella. Yeah, but is it the full size umbrella or the the it's small? It's a full size umbrella. Yeah, no, you you outweigh me. Yeah, unfortunately, my theory on why they call them umbrella cockatoos did not turn out to have any. Did not turn out to have any merits. So. Is, is it a groaner? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> My theory is that in in the event of rain, they spread their wings out and they extrude a handle from their underside so you can hold them up over you. But that did not actually turn out to be the case. There's nowhere for a handle there. Well, that sounds like it's time to move on to announcements. Probably is. All right. You're ready? Yes, we, we are. Got tons of stuff going on. I know. Tons of it. So uh, I'll start off first with this Friday, February 8th. The Secular Hub is having a social event and open house. Now, the event is actually going to be happening across the street from the Hub at the Exto Annex, and it's still 31st and Downing. It's just on th- a little bit further down 31st, but basically same exact corner. And we're going to have tours of the Hub, and it's just going to be open bar. Well, not open bar. Um, it, you'll pay for your own drinks. But there'll be a bar, and you can get drinks. There's going to be a DJ starting at 9 o'clock. We're going to be talking a little bit about what the hub's going to do, give people kind of a first look, and it should be a lot of fun. So that's Friday the 8th. On Saturday the 9th, the Freedom From Religion Foundation is going to have its second monthly meeting. Uh, we actually had one last month. That was the same day as a Broncos game, and it was still really well attended. There were over 50 people there. Uh, it was a great turnout, really good people, a lot of excitement. So the second one is going to be at the Hamden Library at 2 p.m. on Saturday the 9th, and we'll be kind of moving towards getting that chapter structured and set up. Now, I, I, let me ask you a question. I mean, have, the guy who, who did that last time, have we heard from him? Did, has he scheduled anything? Have you talked to him? Well, this is the second thing he scheduled, yeah. Oh, he did schedule it, though. Yes. Okay, all right. It's actually going up on to meet up right now, and it's <sighs> my fault that it's so late because I should have uh, done it before. Okay. I thought I did, all right. but apparently I didn't. So there's also an ACLU talk that same day about um, the separation of church and state, so the timing is a little bit funky, um, but that's another one you can go to if you want to go to that. So uh, Sunday, February 10th, is the Humanists of Colorado's uh, monthly meeting. This one's going to be at the Secular Hub, kind of a little, but before it opens to the whole public, the, the Humanists are going to be renting it out. But if you're part of the group or you're interested, come along. We're going to have Dr. James Sakella, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. He does a study on the human genome, and he's going to talk about what the specific genes that make us human. Uh, so that should be a really interesting one. And then the really big one is the grand opening of the hub on Darwin Day, which is Tuesday, the February 12th. And we're going to have uh, Dr. James DeGregory from the Colorado Evolution Response Team, which is a group that responds when basically evolution and, and good science is being threatened in our classrooms. And it has been quite a bit this year uh, in Colorado. In fact, there was a an assembly today at the Capitol to basically keep creationism out of our classrooms. So he'll be talking about that, which should be great. On Wednesday, February 13th, down in Colorado Springs, the Pikes Peaks Skeptic Society 
is, I believe, just involved in this. Jim Daly from the Focus on the Family is going to be speaking, and I think they're looking for some people to show up to be the secular voice there. So that should be an interesting one. Focus on the Family, of course. Such a progressive group. Um, not really. Okay, on Sunday, February 17th, again down in Colorado Springs, there's going to be a debate um, on reality, basically Christian theism versus atheism. And that's going, the atheist side is going to be done by our friend Jason Testerman from the Free Thought Exchange, which should be really exciting. And I'll come back to Jason. I want to talk to him about him in another minute or so, but let me go on with the announcements first. On Tuesday, February 19th, the Mile High Skeptics are going to have an organizational meeting by Skype on uh, Skepticamp. So if you want to get involved in getting that program together, uh, you can check out the meetup and, and get on to that call. Uh, Saturday, February 23rd, um, I think actually this one might have been taken down. Um, Catherine Stewart was going to be speaking, but she's now speaking with Dawkins on the next week. So eliminate that. On the 23rd, though, up in Fort Collins is going to be their Skepticamp 2013. On Wednesday, February 27th, Richard Dawkins is going to be speaking with Catherine Stewart down in Colorado Springs. And then on the 20, I can't have this right. I'm sorry, the 28th, um, they're going to be speaking at the Colorado Convention Center in Denver. So uh, two chances to see that talk, and that should be really interesting. Um, and I can't believe we've got Dawkins coming back here again so soon, which is terrific. And when looking Dawkins forward, what's that? I said when Dawkins met Stewart. <laughs> um, really and then looking one. forward on April 27th is going to be that skeptic camp for the Mile High Skeptics in Denver. Uh, and then also just looking further down, we're going to have the Colorado Secular Conference sometime in June or July. There's going to probably be an announcement next time on the organization for that one. So I'll have more information then. So hey, lots and lots of stuff going on for yeah, our short month of February. Before you go on, um, you were talking about the stuff going on at the Capitol. And it is yeah. House Bill 131089, and it's mm -hmm. a Teach the Controversy bill. So it's one of these typical, you know, bills that they try and sli slip in so that they can teach the controversy on global warming and, um, and evolution. And what's unique about our bill is that it doesn't just affect the typical, like, K-12, um, uh, institutions, they actually want to, they're actually pushing to get it into, um, to higher education as well. So it's a particularly egregious bill. Yeah, and the bullshit of teach the controversy. Well, there there is no scientific controversy, of course. It's right. just a political one. And if you want to talk controversies in politics, that would be great, but they don't belong in the science classroom. Right. So there is information up at uh, at the NCSE, um, mm -hmm. which is the National Center for Scientific Education. And Phil Plate also wrote a really good article, and he wrote to his um, to his um, House representative. And I'm going to write to mine. But she's worthless. So, but I'm going to write to my old house district one where, who is, who's really awesome. But I know her and I know my senator and my senator is the vice chair of the educational committee. So, um, so this is good. Um, that, that at least I, I know some of the people down there. Um, so hopefully we can squash this bill before it goes too far. Yeah. But it scares it's, me. It's really terrible. It's like the personhood amendment. It's just, they just constantly keep doing it and wasting resources, and it's unfortunate. Right, and if you look at the signers for this bill, it's it's all, you know, creationist Republicans. <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and uh, if I may then transfer to the next topic I wanted to bring up, I mentioned uh, Jason Testerman. He actually got interviewed the other day over at the Hub for Nine News. There was a uh, an article that came out. They did a study across the nation of the cities that were the most biblical, and the most biblical meaning that the, uh, if you were considered a biblical person, you had read the Bible within the last seven days, and you believe it is generally accurate. So Denver, out of 94 cities surveyed, came in around 71. Not the best, um, but better than, well, better than 70 other cities across the uh, across the nation. So uh, they interviewed Jason as the secular side, and then they also had somebody come in from um, the Baptist side. But they actually really spent a lot more time on Jason. I think they were a lot more intrigued by this secular point of view. So I'm going to go ahead and throw the link here to the Nine News article with the video. And uh, I think they did a pretty good job. There's still some of that, you know, like, what are we going to do? We're not biblically minded enough. Where instead of celebrating, hey, this is great, we're not very biblically minded as a city. But, uh, but, but a decent story, I thought. I don't know if anybody else got to see it or heard about it. What was number one? The number one, uh, let's see. Do I have that article right here? It was someplace, I believe, in Mississippi. It was definitely a Bible Belt um, city. I think it was on the Huffington Post. I can find it for you if you give me some time. But Well, you can put it in the show notes, so okay. it'll be there. Yeah. All right. So, <clears throat> all sorts of fun stuff going on, but we're going to start with a little hypocrisy. Uh, Ian? Okay, well, you know, religious hypocrisy is nothing new. We keep seeing it time and time again. But um, there's been a few interesting stories recently. The first one we'll cover is um, the Catholic Church showing just how solid its stance is on abortion and how it's so determined that you know a fetus is an independent living entity that should have all sorts of rights except for when it actually might ca- cost the Catholic Church some money. <laughs> Basically, um, at this Catholic hospital, this one um, woman was brought in um, I'm trying to remember why. There was some issue, but, uh, um, they, they called for the doctor, and the doctor was taking his time and never bothered to answer the page and was just kind of blowing it off. And so by the time he got there, um, well, basically the young woman and her two unborn children were, had died. And, um, so the, um, husband is, um, obviously going after the hospital saying, you know, you guys were being neglectful, the, the doctor should have been there. And he's saying we're all going after wrongful death on the fetuses. Well, the church is coming off, you know, this, this is a Catholic hospital, and they're showing exactly how strong their views are by saying, well, according to the law, the fetuses um, you know, aren't persons, so you can't do wrongful death on us. Which is really pretty bad hypocrisy. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, it definitely um, basically weakens their stance. I mean, well, yeah, it, it's potentially going to set legal precedent. Which, and, and that's what. And legal legal precedent against them in particular. Yeah, and this is a group that says that man's law is not supposed to outdo God's law. And here they're saying, well, we'll bow down to man's law just because it'll save us some money. <laughs> it is an interesting position for them to take on this. Well, um, and I, I guess I have to say that this is not this is not the Catholic Church itself. It is a church-affiliated organization. It doesn't matter. Um, Huh? It, I don't think it matters. The, well, considering I, that the, these say, hospitals, um, well, you know, say finish. that. Hey, okay, hey, 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 hey,
is that the only way for the Catholic Church itself to to make a stand on this and actually be in the right is to basically cut their affiliation with this organization. Okay. They need, to, they need to drop this organization like a hot potato if if they want to stay in the right on their own on their own stated beliefs. Yeah, but these are they're the same type of hospital that says that they will not perform an abortion even if the mother's life is at risk. If the mother's going to die if they don't perform abortion, no, no, it's more important to keep that child alive. And mm-hmm. here they are, you know, saying, oh, well, well, we'll gladly bow down to the law if it'll save us some money. Like, this is that same church organization that you're talking about. Yeah. This is that same Catholic health initiative. I don't okay. know if it's the exact same, but it's, you know, obviously falls in the same category of the one that we've seen in the past. Well, you know, the actions of one organization are the actions of one organization. And, you know, mm-hmm. if they're wrong based upon the stated beliefs of what their affiliate is, then they're wrong based upon the stated beliefs of what that of what their affiliation is. The the problem is is that this is not a Protestant church. This is the Catholic Church, and they yeah. are one entity. Yes, this is one division of that entity, but but if they if the church doesn't appreciate the stand, they have to come out and say something. If they don't, then then we can we can blanketly say that that it's the Catholic Church that's being being apocryphal here. And that is an interesting point, Brian. That is an interesting point. If it was a Protestant church, I would agree with you. If it was a Protestant affiliation, I, I would have to I have to say yes. This is is one Protestant affiliation, but this is the well, if Catholic it was a Protestant church. church. They wouldn't have the same party line. Well, they well some of them some do. Some do, some don't. Exactly, they vary. But the Catholic Church is supposed to be an umbrella organization. Am I? Is that not true? The Pope is the one that that makes the calls, and then it filters down. Yes, and we know in principle or in practice it doesn't necessarily work like that, but that's kind of the idea. Yeah. They aren't all individuals like the Protestants. And I take it that the church has not come out and said, No, no, we don't actually we uh, don't actually not believe that I'm this. Aware of. You've got to you've got to afford you've got to reward this person. You've got to award this wrongful death suit because this is what we believe. Yeah. yeah. They haven't yeah. Just, they haven't come running out and saying that. They still could. They could. Yeah, no. I as far as I because it's a because it's a Catholic organization, I I can I I'm happy to paint a broad brush. <laughs> well, you can't do that though. I I can. I have a very no. big brush. Okay, you can't. You can, but as a skeptic, you got to take it as you've got to take it what you've got there. You can't necessarily. Well, wait a second. What does the Catholic Church claim? Do they claim to be a whole bunch of individual churches or one church? They do claim to be one church. So, so and this a direct is an organization to God that is if they have any questions. Right. They have a direct connection to God if they have any questions. I, I, I don't, I don't see how, <laughs> I mean, either, either, the, either somebody has to come down and tell them you can't do this or, or it comes back on them. Isn't I don't that, think that uh, that's being. That direct correction, connection to God, isn't that, uh, isn't that an instant messenger nowadays programmed in Holy C++? How am I using too broad a brush here? I'm just I'm just playing devil's advocate. Okay, but based on their claims, the Catholic Church created him too. <laughs> he is affiliated with the Catholic Church. I, I don't I don't know that I'm using too big a brush because because of the way that the Catholic organization is supposed to work. 
Right. I'm sure they're enjoying their tax exempt status because of who they fall under and all of that other kind of stuff. Plus, you know, the mandatory prayers, the things that you cannot, the, the different procedures you can and can't get because they have the license. Plus, of course, their employees can't get any birth control from their insurance companies because of their very holy God-given right to not allow contraception. So it really is, I don't think, too strong a brush at all. They are the ones who keep claiming divine right of kings. They are the ones claiming that they are all together in this and that they shouldn't be at all discriminated against and they can do whatever they want and fuck everybody but maybe, else. Maybe because of the fact that this, this doctor didn't respond in time and is therefore damned in the afterlife, maybe he shouldn't be penalized in his life as well. <laughs> <laughs> just like the pedophile priest. Yeah, just like the pedophile they priest. They got this. God will sort them out. Let God yeah. take care of it. Let God sort them out. Um, I, 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 I am good friends with a practicing Catholic, and I will, and I intend to ask him, um, his take on this story. I would like to hear the answer to that. Yeah, I don't, um, I, I don't know. I guess, Kimberly, were you brought up in Catholicism? I sure was. And Roman Catholic. And is it so it doesn't the doctor filter down doctrine filter down like I was saying? You know, I don't know the exact specifics of everything, but okay. it's a Catholic hospital and so they will claim that they are not you know, they don't have to do the same things as a secular hospital because they are God mandated. Right. So the way they handle you know, if if the situation had been a little bit different and the children had survived the the procedure that was going on and the mother didn't like that's a perfectly legit scenario in a catholic hospital because the fetuses are more important than the woman is and that's their kind of standard they will not give her an abortion even if it will save her life they've excommunicated people for giving abortions yes, to women yeah. And, yeah. just to save their lives yeah, yeah totally totally i, I so, think though technically speaking that the fetus is only more important than the mother if 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 his man child well they they like to hedge their bets you know it could be it's 50 percent chance that it's a man child so um they want to save them all but i mean that's not considered murder in my book that's murdering a woman when you right. yes. make the choice that she should die for the sake of a fetus and that you will not perform a life-saving operation you've chosen to kill her and again, these people are choosing to go to that hospital and to believe this crap. So I, I suppose I'm not entitled to say anything one way or the other. People get to believe well, what they want, but no, because because you're a woman. Clearly, you're biased. They just, but but <laughs> it, it's all very consistent, is what I'm saying with with this kind of belief that you know. And I think again that hypocrisy thing is right here. That fetus is more important than a woman. When there isn't money on the line. Right. When there's money on the line, all of a sudden that changes. And that's pretty despicable. I mean, that's kind of a disgusting thing no matter what. But like I said, when you're murdering women by not giving them abortions that they need to save their lives because you have this, you know, such a real feeling about it. And then to just be like, yeah, well, in this case, you know, we don't owe any money. It's ridiculous. Well, it's showing that they're not willing to stand by their convictions. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, in, in this case, they should say, listen, we're going to stand by our convictions, and yes, we will let be wrongful death, even though it may cost us money. But our convictions are a fetus is a living thing, and we want to show you that we, um, you know, disagree with the law. That I would actually have more respect for in this case. I would, too. I, I honestly would. My guess here is that even though the uh, organization is Catholic, they've probably got a lawyer who is not. 
Right, but they but here's the thing is that the lawyer is still supposed to well, I don't know that that's a tough one. No, the the job of the lawyer is basically to do whatever to to get the client off whether it's but know, whether it's client, whether it's whether it's what the client believes in or not, you know. But the client can't tell them, listen, we will take, you know, we will they accept can. this, you know. They can the and they're the not client, in this case. Yeah. Here's the thing. That says a lot. Is this as harmful to the Catholic Church's position if 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 they win this? So they so they would they will they will lose for winning if this if yeah. this yeah. happens. Oh, yeah. in, in so many but, ways, this is a lose lose for them. Yeah. If anyone win. pays attention, and, which and they you won't. know we are, but yeah. Unfortunately, people who pay attention to this stuff do tend to be in the minority. And right, to but but next time we have an argument with them about abortion, we'll be able to look and say, "Listen, there is a court, there is a there's court precedent that the Catholic Church doesn't think that they are, and here it is, and we'll be able to point to it." Yep. Mm-hmm. So I, I I still think that it harms all of the Catholic Church if if they win this. So, which side are you hoping for to win? You know, it's 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 scary, but um, as much as I I feel bad for the guy, I I would I'd I'd like to see the precedent set in some way. Yeah. Um, I don't know what actual Colorado law says about this though, because he is negligent. Um, and, um, in his response, he there may this may this may really come down to having nothing to do with the fetuses. Um, well, the I mean, question the, the question is. Is it one wrongful death or is it three wrongful deaths? Yeah. That is the, that is the question. And that's what I think they're trying to argue. Right. But okay. I but think I they're have... trying to, they're trying to basically reduce their court costs by a, by two thirds. Right. But here's the thing is that this isn't the same as, as somebody wanting an abortion because these people wanted these children. Okay. So that it makes, is. so that makes the incident different. Right yes, from the yes, start, they, did. they wanted these children. Right. Okay. So, so, so they, so these people came to the hospital to try and save the wife and child and, and children, and because right. of the negligence of the, of this doctor, both died or all three died. So, in some ways, it, it, it I, I don't know how Colorado law looks at this because technically, yeah, they weren't people, right? I agree with that, but they certainly were um, wanted lives that were destroyed. Because of negligence, right. so so I'm not sure um, even whether they win or lose this. Um, it, just the fact that that they that they have that they're trying this um, says stupid. something. It's 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 snake low. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. It snake is. belly low. Yeah. But that's you know typical. You know the next one even kind of follows the, the logic they like to use. So the next one, um, but, uh, I, I love the title of this. Fundamentalist says refrigeration removes sin. Tough luck, gays and lesbians. <laughs> Basically, um, uh, there was an interview uh, with Peter LaBarbera of Americans for Truth about homosexuality with um, Oklahoma pastor James Taylor. Okay, so LaBarbera goes into the Leviticus stuff, referring to you know the infamous one, you shall not lie with a um, male as with a woman. And then he goes on to point out, well, a big... Uh, Levictiv- yeah, yeah. Levict- Leviticus? Leviticus. There we go. Green <laughs> tongue tight again. Um, also says it is said to eat pork, shrimp, clams, and oysters. And yet that, um, doesn't get the attention and, you know, a lot of Catholics and stuff seem to ignore it. You know, your Christian groups seem to ignore it. So, of course, the pastor comes in and says, there's a couple of problems with that. Some things are cultural. Cultural. God, I really tongue tight thing. And there are also some things that have happened now in terms of refrigeration and health concerns. 
And those are some of those things that are there. And then he, you know, somehow goes into Dick picking about the, um, the difference between uh, how horrible homosexuality is. <laughs> and it's kind of interesting because what he's saying there is somehow if you refrigerate the stuff, it, it overdoes God's law. Now, admittedly, nowhere in the Bible does God say that, hey, at some point in time, if, it, if you guys figure out this health concern thing, you could disobey my law. But apparently, uh, these pastors have decided to find their little out. You know, this kind of hypocrisy is rampant, and I don't find it particularly interesting or compelling anymore. I mean, yeah, they, well, they, I, they're cherry I, I excuse. It's like refrigeration. You know, it's like, how does... Well, I, I think we should experiment. Kimberly? Yes. And on the air conditioning, and I want to I don't know. have air conditioning. Okay, get I can open a window. <laughs> you know well, that's, that's the same thing. Put them, put them, well, you know, just, basically what it is hold. is that the gays and lesbians, before they get it on, tank. have to refrigerate themselves. So, Kimberly, next time you and your partner decide to have some intimate time together, make sure you um, are, are both nice and refrigerated beforehand. Apparently okay. you'll be fine. This is ridiculous. He's saying that, that he's basically, he's saying literally that because we've discovered refrigeration, these things are not dangerous anymore, so we can ignore those. Right. Okay. And the so funny thing is, the his overall point idea is that, that... His point is right? that if, if with, with more knowledge, these things become no longer valid, because yeah, you know, we're at that, that point. Right. Our cultural, our culture has changed. We okay. evolved, we developed, and on um, certain rules, we no longer need to follow. So and that's the perfect argument for why we no longer need to follow any of Leviticus. Right, but the problem is, is that homosexuality is still a moral, um, is still um, morally a problem. See, okay. we we can we can refrigerate our shellfish now and 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 make it and make it so that it doesn't hurt us. But two, but gays and lesbians still hurt me morally. They do, and threaten your wedding, and th- threaten your marriage. Exactly, they threaten my marriage. They're, you know, they're going. Gays and lesbians are going to destroy my marriage. Yeah. That's the plan. Uh, let me. I think. I think I have a solution here. I think I have a solution here that that helps everybody. Kimberly, you don't have air conditioning, but you actually have a refrigerator. Yes. Hell, you're good. You've got a refrigerator. Sin is gone. Basically, before I, I, the gays and lesbians should go out in public, they need to refrigerate themselves. And then when they come out in public, it'll be fine because they'll be refrigerated and healthy for us, I guess. Here's the thing. Right? I, they, think that it's, I think that it's fine if they just have a refrigerator. Humans are excellent at compartmentalizing. And so so, so he. this is how he's chosen to compartmentalize it. That's the only thing that's interesting here is how he's chosen to compartmentalize it. You know what else it, is great at compartmentalizing, Brian? Refrigerators. <laughs> Mine has like three drawers in it: one for meats, two for crisp vegetables. Yeah, but but it's a great example of what we have continuously seen. No doubt about it. It's it's the same thing over and over again. Yes. Now the next one's definitely not the same thing. It's not necessarily hypocrisy. It's it's definitely abuse of the power. <laughs> and this one, okay, pastor claimed his penis had been anointed with the Holy Spirit divine semen and raped his faithful. We've heard this before, too. <laughs> Basically, uh, <laughs> this one um, pastor would take um, aside young women and have basically masturbate on them and have them for moral sex on him and stuff. And the, the thing I loved on this one, what was it? Oh, Basically, uh, okay, Madakar, that's his name, came to abuse some elderly and defend himself by saying he had an encounter with Jesus in a brothel and gave him the mission of spreading the sacred semen throughout the state, beginning with the faithful Apoi Assembly. 
Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not clear on the definition of what a brothel is. That's a soup kitchen, right, where they serve broth? So a whorehouse, that up. <laughs> oh, that's not a soup kitchen. <laughs> what was Jesus doing in a brothel? Yeah, that's the, that's the first question, uh, right? Aside from spreading the holy semen through <laughs> sacred smoke. Well, Mary Magdalene was, after all, a prostitute. But apparently he was true. caught, the, the pastor was caught red-handed rubbing his penis in the face of a local merchant, which promised to make more sales in her business due to the divine liquid. <laughs> uh, the, the, uh. It yeah. just goes to the, the okay. same old thing that we've said before. I mean, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And yeah, we've heard this crap before, but it is an absolute necessity that the logic of believing fake things leads to believing other fake things. Once you're yeah, trained uh, to believe shit without evidence, you will believe other shit without evidence, no matter <laughs> how fuck nut crazy it gets, apparently. <laughs> I mean, right? That's the point Indeed. here. And <laughs> as far as this pastor goes, he did apparently he did apparently go, as you so eloquently put it, fuck not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it much more so that if you really want to be a pervert, the best place to do it is do a church. No, I, I want to know the best place. I, I understand that he was caught red-handed. I want to know exactly how his hand got that red. Well, would you prefer it if they said they caught him hairy-handed? I would prefer if they caught him Harry Housen, because that would mean that he would be, he would be using stop-motion monsters. All right. Yeah, but, no, okay, so, I mean, yeah, we, but we've seen this before, too. Other people saying that, you know, that, that, you know, they're saving people through having sex with them. Yeah, but, I mean, this guy, this guy had gone way out there. He, he'd gone way outside of. You know, he pretty much you can guarantee that he's not going to get anybody in the, yeah. you can guarantee he's not going to get anybody in his church saying, no, no, he's okay. We're going to move him to a different parish. Right. But so he, they're going to, they're going to, you know, if you were caught, the agency disavows all knowledge of you. But the officers, as they were taking him in, he offered to save the officers too on the way to the <laughs> police station. And he also says that he hopes to continue saving people while he's in prison. <laughs> I'm sure he'll find a fair amount of people there that will. Save him more than likely, rather than him saving them. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he'll be, you know, considering, I'm guessing that he'll be spreading the word <laughs> in jail. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> okay. So, the Boy Scouts of America have decided to lift their ban. Well, they well, haven't necessarily decided. Okay. They are in a meeting, as I think it was supposed to have started today, and they're supposed to have a decision out by Wednesday. And, um, basically rethinking the ban on gays. And the way it's being worded as, a, as it's supposed to work is it will be up to the individual sponsoring organizations of the scout packs and troops as to how they want to, um, handle the gay and lesbian issue. So basically, um, each Boy Scout troop pack has to have a sponsored or sponsoring organization. It could be a school, a church, uh, um, you know, various groups. I remember my um, Boy Scout troop was sponsored by the Alameda West Kiwanis. So, um, you know, there's no, there's, I, I don't know the actual rules for what kind of groups can sponsor the Scout packs and troops, but um, the way these rules would work it is basically the sponsored group would be the ones to decide how they want to deal with the um, gay and lesbian issue. It, it, if this passes, right? Like I said, right now they are um, apparently in talks about it. And later this week, we're supposed to have an announcement. We don't know how that will go. 
Needless to say, this has raised a whole lot of exchanges on both sides of the whole issue. Oh, yeah. Kind of sounds like they're trying to get themselves some good publicity and make somebody else the bad guy. Yeah, well, they're they're trying to appease everyone at once, and that's still not necessarily working. It's a step in the right direction, but um, if you look through the articles, I I put quite a few because there's been so much of it, including, excuse me, including one today, um, where, um, okay, basically there's been a lot of petitions for the Boy Scouts to go and um, do this. And so, uh, the link's not working. Anyway, so the the one thing I and this is typical, I guess it's not new, but it's interesting that you know a lot of these people are talking about how by by doing this that they're going to be you know destroying um you know faith based you know what moral morality and it's right. interesting that it always has to come back to that why is bigotry a faith based moral? <laughs> well, they're talking about how um if if this goes through, you'll have you know. Conflicts of interest when the the various um, packs and troops meet up at the bigger scouting events where they don't all agree with that. And it's like that that to me undermines the whole idea of what scouts is supposed to be. Um, you know what? What is? That, tell me what scouts is supposed to be. Well, a brotherhood basically where you accept people and work together to build better character. Okay. And when it's pursued that way, this shouldn't be an issue. It shouldn't matter. And even if you come together and you disagree with the homosexuality thing, you should judge them on the person they are, and that should overshadow anything else. Right, but, but, but their party well, line has been that, that to do that, you need to be God-fearing, straight, and male. Yes. And so, you know, this goes against breaks one. And that's one of the things that did come up is the fact that, yes, um, they're looking to doing that for um, the gays, but they're still not willing to... Um, given on the atheist issue, which would mean that I, Eagle Scout, who's also an atheist, would technically, oh, shouldn't have ever received my eagle. And, um, there are a fair amount of atheists and scouts. I know that for a fact. And I've heard stories, I've talked to them some myself, even in my son's troop, apparently on, on one boy's board review for his rank advancement, he did mention, you know, I really don't believe in God. And, um, he was told by this scout master, you know what? I don't, it's not that big of a deal. Just don't make it, you know, don't bring it up. And no one in, in the troop is going to care. It's kind of don't ask, don't tell, tell kind of thing. Now, yep. can I, can I paint the same with the same broad brush here as I can with Catholics that the doctrine flows down from the top? Or, or just is scouts more tolerant of individual troops going their own way with things? I think that's a tough one. I mean, there definitely is a top, and we've talked on this program before, and, and it's been documented other places. Back in the 70s, they were the top was basically infiltrated by the Mormons, which is who started these dictates. To Ian's point, individual troops, if they don't make a big deal out of it, can do kind of what they want, because there yeah. isn't so much of a oversight on individual troops by this thing. But there is a there is a center, there is a top, and that top has had this anti-gay, anti-atheist agenda. Well, I think I mentioned this before. When I went for my Eagle Board review, I was an atheist at the time. I did not believe in God. I'm fairly certain my scoutmaster more or less knew that. They did not bring up religion at all at my Eagle Board review. It was not mentioned. They didn't ask if I believed in God. They didn't do any of that, which is a somewhat standard thing a lot of the time at an Eagle Board review. Right, but do but you I say the pledge? That, um... How do you deal with that? Well, um, I had actually gone over some thinking about that. Did I ever mean the pledge about duty to God and my country? Well, I look at the idea of God 
And if I want to take the word God and look at it, every God has so many different meanings. It can mean whatever you wish it to mean. When you know, I, Ian, when I, I think I've mentioned before that your sophistry badge must have been the first one. <laughs> <laughs> and and but, is there is there a badge for obfuscation as well? <laughs> so for me, at least, when I'm referring to God in a pledge like that, I'm not referring to a biblical God. I'm referring to a certain concept about humanity. That and is a, so, yeah, but. yes, it's, it's, you know, trippy, but in the same case, they, they bring up the God thing, and yet, um, they don't go after Buddhists. Buddhists are allowed to join scouts, just fine. And Buddhists don't have to believe in God. They okay. can, they go wherever way they want. But, but here's the, but you're compartmentalizing here. Okay. I, I have to say, because you are, you are choosing to, to, to take the definition of God and obfuscate it to the point where it doesn't mean what anybody else think it would mean, just so that you can say this pledge and feel okay about it. Well, I, I actually now am a bit weary of those pledges. Like with the Pledge of Allegiance, I will skip over God. I will remain silent during that. Right, but God. that's one of the things you have to learn, at least in Weebelows, you have to know the pledge. Yes. And I, you I have to say God in it. If, I don't think that any scoutmaster is going to let you skip the God part and say, I'll sign that. I'll sign did off you, on that. But wait a second. Did you ever actually do it individual? I don't. I mean, I was no. in scouts my whole life. Nobody ever was like, okay, Kim, your turn. Pledge. Do it. Yeah, no, no I, but I, that's. I no, 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 no. You do. In, in Weebelos, I had to say the pledge in order to get signed off. Oh, you, you to, yeah. For, for the bat, for, in order to earn your Weebelos badge, you do have to say, and the, but. In that case, at the point of Weeblos, I didn't know whether or not I was needed. Oh, I, I, I didn't have so, a clue. Yeah. So at that point, it, 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 you know, the pledge didn't really have any meat to me one way or the other. It was just a pledge. Now, I was involved in, in another youth group called Demolays, where you did have to memorize a pledge and say it on your own in the middle of the group, independently. In order to, it was called Demolays. It was basically, um, a junior Masons group. It was, you know, ah, the, okay. If you, between, boys between thir, um, 13 and 21, um, and it's connected to the Masons. Okay. And they're, now, admittedly, at the same thing. At the time I took their pledge, I didn't know whether or not I believed in God. I, I couldn't say I was an atheist, but I wasn't devout or anything. I, I guess, so, you know, you know, we're using, so we're saying some things. I, I don't know if everybody realizes that, but Boy Scouts, um, it, you don't start that till what, junior high? Prior to that, there's, um, um what, what are they? Boy Scouts, there's, um, sixth grade. You start off with Cub Scouts. Bob, yeah, well, you, you, uh, Bob, yeah. yeah there, you, there's it's, Bobcat, Bear, well, no, Wolf, Bo- Bobcat's Table not right. Cub Scout starts off with Tiger Cubs. It goes Tiger, tiger Cubs, Cubs, Wolf, Bear, Weeblows. And you're two years Weeblows okay. now. What the hell happened to Bobcats? Wait, I thought there was a like Cub Scouts. Bobcat was never a position. Bobcats is the first badge you have to earn as a Cub Scout. Okay. Oh, well, okay. See, that's okay, what I'm talking okay. about. Okay, so it's Cub Scouts, but you did you did different ranks within Cub Scouts. Yeah, there's different groups. Within, basically, okay. it's age group. First, second, third, right. fourth, and fifth grades. The boys are generally with boys their own age. Then once you get into Boy Scouts, it's more mixed, and you kind of go at your own pace. Okay. So, um... And, and Ian... Like, yeah. Thank you for taking our heckling so well and answering. <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm fine with it. You guys should know that. <laughs> Give I each know. other shit as part of the podcast. <laughs> you, you, you do understand though that now that you've actually outed yourself on the podcast, that that they're going to be sending out those those BSANs to strip your epaulets and break your saber, right? Boy uh, Scouts of America Ninja, which is the rank above Eagle. For, that would make for an interesting confrontation, and I'd actually kind of be up for it right now. Really? If they want to try and take the eagle back, I, I 
would be up for the confrontation of it. Right now, you have a lot of um, Eagles, gay atheists and um, non-gay atheists, who are sending back their Eagles in protest. Yeah. I don't prefer to do it the other way and keep my Eagle and openly say, I am an atheist Eagle. Gold dead fingers and whatnot? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of think that it would be that would be interesting. Um, it's an empty protest to send back your eagle, is my thought. Well, but it's yeah. making a lot of news every you, time it happens. You, so it's not so you're empty. making news, but on the other hand, you you earned you earned the badge. You you did a lot to earn that eagle, yeah. right? But they're bringing awareness to to the situation by giving back their eagles. So it, so in in one way, yes, it's empty, but in another way, it it brings attention to the issue. Yeah, there's a, it's a growing thing. There's a lot of um, Eagle Scouts who are neither atheist or homosexual who are going for the um, equality. You can find, I, I belong to it, there's a good half dozen Facebook pages, um, Scouts for Equality, that basically are saying, listen, you know, we want to try and promote the idea that Boy Scouts should not be discriminating. And it's a huge growing movement, and there are so many different levels of it right now. I happen to think, you know, personally, my thought is that the Boy Scouts should reflect the values of the culture, and they should evolve with the values of the culture. But Well, but I disagree with that because they are a private organization. So as far as, you know, they're kind of outside the culture in that respect in that they get to dictate their own culture. Now, whether we want them to be that way is irrelevant. Yeah. Well, we've talked about this before. While I agree with you in theory that they are a private organization, they are an organization <laughs> that is very often rented public space at a cost that no one else is allowed because of who they are. Do they they are, they're, 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 they're private and they're not. Do they get public funds? They don't, I'm not sure if they get public funds, but okay. they're, they definitely get public meeting space. They routinely rent space like at at schools and and places like that for a dollar and i can tell you as so, an organizer of events no one else is given that deal sure so not necessarily public funds but like public coupons well they, i mean they pretty much i mean for whatever they're, they're reason given public because because again there's that nobody really knows right most of the people don't recognize that it isn't given that stuff and so they're just you know giving them whatever they want i believe they also fall under 501c3 which again puts you in a slightly different place than my organization my rules when you're a 501c3 and you're getting tax exempt status and people can give you money and get tax benefit from it you are not free right they well they are definitely actually as a 501c3 i think that they have a problem that I mean that 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 puts them into a different classification as what they can and cannot do, mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if they've been challenged on that. I don't know if we could either. Well, yeah, quite frankly, there's there's a lot that happens in five hundred one c threes that are a little bit dicey. I mean, just you know the definition of what a religion is and what they're allowed to get away with. It's all very well, it's, but they're not technically a religion for a, either. Uh, for a good case, <laughs> they're, they're certainly treated as a as a religion, but they are not a religion. No, and and we could ask, and it's an actually really fascinating question, and I'd love to get experts involved in this, of what is a religion? Because you know what it takes in this country to get religious status? To say, I'm a religion. That's well, it. You don't yeah. got to back it up with anything. Well, Scientology, they, you know, kind of challenged them on that, but they were able to bully their way into being a religion. Yeah, well, because there's there's no there's no limits. Yeah, you could have people worship you, and you could organize as a religion. If you can get people to give you money, 
if you file the paperwork at a far discounted rate, by the way, than other organizations, um, you get all sorts of rights as a religious organization that other 501c3s do not. Right. And all you had to do is say you did it. That's well, it. and they don't. Have, yeah, and they don't have to file all the paperwork. And right. and you they know, it's interesting. Be investigated. Yeah. Well, American Atheists is challenging them on that part at least. Yeah, and it's about time. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that that the individual Boy Scout troops and the groups that Ian's talking about on Facebook are there. I think that's really positive. I think they are in totally a damage control situation because yeah. they've had these these policies for years and years and most people just didn't know about them because they didn't advertise it they weren't loud yeah. about it but people found out and they're reacting and i think this is the perfect example of of why you know to to max point about it being like a you know just symbolism of giving your badge back it does something people who Good people found out that this was going on, and we're like, no, what? No. And they wouldn't have found out if people didn't make stands. I, I think it's yeah. a wonderful piece of our modern culture that we get to talk about what's important to us, and we have a vehicle now for people to hear it. Well, the other thing, you know, they're an interesting organization in that they are fairly small for a national organization, but they, they, they have a lot of weight. You know, they, they, they are treated a certain way. Um, and always have been, you know, they've always been kind of, um, looked up to in a lot of ways. I mean, I know that, uh, I have a friend who's a teacher and they needed to know what to do with the flag, an old flag. Who do they call? They call the Boy Scouts to come and take care of it for them, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, so, so in a lot of ways, they do a lot of really cool things that it would be a shame to see them go away. Um, because they can be a benefit to society. There's a lot of good stuff to them. If, if you go to the basics of what they are about. Yeah, I agree. I, we've talked about it too, like, you know, in, in comparison with the Girl Scouts. I would love to be in a world where I didn't have to look down at Boy Scouts. I, w I wish I didn't have to avoid their fundraisers and stuff because I do think that the local money goes to good things. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, you can't, I can't personally endorse an organization that has this top level Hypocr hypocrisy and and just terrible values and stuff, but I well, love it if it got back to the point where I could you know see and and be able to support the organization again. I, actually, I, I, I think it does a lot of great stuff. I have a very good, really recent, very relevant story about that now. Um, you know, both my boys are involved in scouts. That's one reason why I know exactly the modern stuff on how scouts is going. Um, my older boy is boy scouts. My younger one is a cubby still. And my older boy is trying to sell fertilizer right now to raise money for him to go to summer camp. Well, um, they both go to the Jefferson County Open School, and they have a garden there. So my older boy thought, okay, I will talk to um, one of the teachers in charge of the garden and try and see if they'll buy some fertilizer for that. Well, the teacher said he cannot support Boy Scouts because of their stance on um, discrimination. And this actually troubled my son. Because he's like, wait a moment, what's going on? Because, you know, he... It, you know, th this is the political stuff at the top that really doesn't, you know, the boys themselves are busy doing the real scouting stuff, and the political stuff doesn't directly affect them in that sense. You know, you don't put that pressure on, you don't say, oh, by the way, guys, this is what the um, idiots at the top are doing to you. So he actually was having some issues over, wait a minute, the Boy Scouts are discriminating against people for um, their sexuality? Because, you know, we're definitely a very liberal family. We um, know openly gay people that we hang out with and talk with and, you know, have pleasant conversations with and have never once made him think that there's something wrong with these people. 
And so here he is being part of a group that is known for that discrimination, and it did bother him. And this is the first time it's really been brought up to him, because, yeah, we do shelter him somewhat from a lot of that. I don't, you know, I'm not going to deny it. But it was just, his response was, it it really did trouble him that he is having this issue now, because he was told, oh, well, I can't support that group, because of stuff that you yourself wouldn't support. <laughs> that's that's really interesting. And this is this is your older son? Yeah. Wow. That's so, that's great. Yeah. I mean, wow. And it's, you know, it's sad that he has to find out that way, but it is going to be a lesson. I bet he remembers the rest of his life. And I, I, I really think it's awesome. Like you say, you don't want to get, you don't need to throw this on a kid. You know, yeah. it, he should be working on his stuff, and, and he should not be having to worry about this. Oh. But I'm, I, I'm very proud that that's his reaction when he finds out about it. I'm actually not surprised that that is his reaction. I'm surprised that, uh, you know, you you just haven't brought this up to him, huh? I, I, I don't I see why he really needs to know about all this. Hopefully, you know, it will get worked out here for too long, and in the end, you know, it's not going to be an issue. But I, I'm, I've talked to my wife because he's, due to the fact we have one boy in Cub Scouts and one in Boy Scouts, I've kind of become more active in the Cub Scout aspect. My wife's become more active in the Boy Scouts. Because, you know, there's a lot of, you know, stuff going on when you have them divided like that. And so she knows the, the Boy Scouts better than I do. I and she said there's a couple that she thinks are more than likely gay in the troop. You know, there's some stuff that's come out. But, you know, we, the, the troop itself, while we do have a chaplain and there's some religious stuff going on, it generally comes off as a don't ask, don't tell kind of group. It's like, okay, we're not going to, you know, make a big deal out of it if we suspect there's something going on there or not. Are you a den master? No, right now I am not in any leadership position. I was, I've been a DIN leader and a um, cub master, but um, at this point in time I've taken a step back. And what if you had a child that said, I don't want to say the God part? Um, Would you give them their badge? Yeah, uh, actually I'd almost respect, I I think I'd respect them more for that than if they just went along with it because you have to go along with it. To me, one of the other things within scouting is you're teaching them to be trustworthy. You're teaching them to be courageous. You're teaching them to stand up for things. And in the case saying, you know what, I don't agree with this, uh, that takes courage. That shows they're being honest, and that shows they're standing up for what they believe. And that should be rewarded, not punished. Well, but they're doing a lot of punishing of that. Yeah, and that's the thing that messes up. You, you Scouting should be all-inclusive. It should be teaching you that this person, if they believe in something you don't, it's just as, it should be viewed on the exact same merits that you can view yourself on, and that is, you know, how you react to life. Right, but what would happen? And, I mean, you can get away with this because it's quiet. What happens if this hits the news? Is is the is the big brother arm of scouting going to come down and have a talk with you? I don't know exactly how that works. I've heard stories, but I've never seen it, and I think it somewhat varies from um, district to district as to how they really go about it. So I think they it, quietly take care of them with a Boy Scout sniper. Well, we do have training for that, apparently. <laughs> I know I got pretty good with the twenty two when I was doing summer camp. I was never good with the black powder guns, but all right. No, I guess the other thing is, is you know, I, I, I don't know. Is it easier to be a closet atheist or a closet gay? Well, the problem is generally, um, you know, like, you know, you can somewhat stereotype actions for being closet gay. You can look at a guy and say, he's a bitty feminine, chances are he's homosexual. It's hard to do that with an atheist. So. I can personally say I think being gay is more central to who you are. 
our sexuality and our sexual orientation is a major, major component of just who we are. And it, it, it's, it's not just an intellectual ec- exercise. It's, it's more, I don't know, primal. It's, it's, I don't know, bigger than, than the atheism thing. Okay. Obviously, you see, I do tons of work on atheist stuff, but, um, I think if I had to hide, I like, it's a hard one because for me, being gay is just easy. It's who I am. I don't struggle with it. I don't, I don't really see any backlash these days because things have moved so far. You know, I still don't have all my rights, but I'm closer and closer every day. Well, according to many surveys, um, atheists are the most distrusted and hated um, group out there right now. Yeah. Right, but I but guess oh. I was going to say, you know, to, to, to um, your point there, Kimberly, is that um, you, you, being gay isn't something that is can be changed with evidence. Right, the where where atheism is an intellectual pursuit and could be changed with evidence. So it so it is a little bit different matter in in uh, in that regard. Yeah, and and there's a big difference too. I mean, you know, there's a lot of social situations in which your atheism is really irrelevant. You know, if you bring it up, fine. If you want to make it relevant, that's okay. And you know, I I do in lots and lots of instances in my life. But when it comes to basic social things, being partnered up is is very what symptomatic of being human. And so if you are forbidden from acknowledging who your partner of choice is, that has a much bigger impact than staying quiet during a pledge for one line or you know, just like I went to a funeral the other day for a neighbor um, at a I don't even sure what kind of I think it was some kind of Baptist church or whatever. I mean, they were praying all up and down and God this God that I, I went to pay my respects. I, I kept my my stuff quiet there. Yeah. I didn't need to do it. But if you had told me I couldn't attend the funeral with my partner, that would have been a bigger deal than me keeping my thoughts to myself. I, I don't know if I'm being clear or not, but I just think they're on two yeah. different levels. I, I, this, yeah, I, I don't know. This is a difficult one to, to, to be clear on because it is more emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand what, what you're saying there. And, and, but I'm still thinking, but it comes down to the other piece of this is, am I willing to give them money? And I'm still not. Mm-hmm. I think, I think in a case like this, I, I might give, and I shouldn't say this because there'll probably be a ring at my doorbell in a minute, but I would give Ian's son money to do his thing with the Boy Scouts. But I don't know that if I went past him selling stuff outside of the store, if I would do it. I don't know if that, again, there's a little bit of hypocrisy there. I recognize that, but I, you know, I'd want to support the individual kid in doing so what he you, wants to do. So are you like just inviting my, my fertilizer? I don't have any needs at this particular <laughs> moment, but I will keep you in mind if I do. But I mean, I've done stuff like this myself. Like my nephew is big into Jesus. Um, and it's unfortunate, but you know, that's where he's at. Anyway, he wanted to go to some big Christian concert last summer. You know, I, I didn't want him there. If I had a choice in the matter, you know, I'd send him out to, you know, like Camp Quest or something. But that's what he wanted to do. So, yeah, I gave him some money to do it because I want to support him. Right. I didn't really want to support the Christian concert, but I found about did. <laughs> supporting the boys versus supporting the organization. Well, but that's a good – but that's the thing is how much of the – if I buy that fertilizer, how much of it pays for the fertilizer, how much of it goes to Boy Scouts, and how much of it goes to him? Um, actually, in this case, this is a fundraiser set up outside of the, the Scouts. 
So, um, the profits from it will actually go to him for scout camp. Now, at that point, it goes to scout camp, so the money will go to fund the camp for Boy Scout, and so the organization will get some there. But directly, by directly buying it, it goes into um, his scout account for his use for scout activities. Okay. okay. Uh, that, why, are they, yeah. why are they selling fertilizer now instead of popcorn? Well, they do popcorn in the fall. The fertilizer thing is something his troop um, found. And does to help the boys raise money for summer camp. It's not for that demolitions mm-hmm. arm that they've been working on. Yeah, I was no. going to say, because fertilizer can be used. It can be used. I don't fund terrorist organizations yet. <laughs> All right. Is there anything more to say about this? I mean, I, I think we've kind of, we've kind of hit it that, you know, that they're, they're still going to discriminate against some people, but they, but this is a huge step if they actually go through with it. If they do it. And that, that'll obviously probably be a follow up for, or, podcast in two weeks as to what ends up being decided this week all right and and this is a big step i mean when they their response to the public pressure of you need to let gay kids in it's only a matter of time before the public pressure comes in and says you can't discriminate against atheist kids either and they'll respond the same way so it's actually setting really good precedent for people who believe in freedom and (laughs) an individual expression which like you know ian said i think very very well that's that's what boy scouts are that's what scouts are supposed to be all about is encouraging kids to be who they are giving them the support and making them into the best people they can be so i think it's a really good first step so we'll finish up tonight with a little segment I'm calling There Be Assholes Out There. <laughs> <laughs> now, b- both of these stories are ones that um, are very dear to me in regards to I am I, I love the war, um, the convention world. I mean, we now have a, a Comic-Con out here in Denver, and it is awesome. I went last year. With my whole family's looking forward to going this year, and we're getting everyone in we can excited about going we if half the people that say they're, uh, that they're going to go that we know show up there we may have a huge crowd roaming around comic yeah, we've been talking about buying tickets we've been talking about doing it and so and yeah. so i'm i'm I, we're gonna we're, we're still looking at that but i think that we we we're well, thinking all, about going all your girls i think no not you might have Nadia, i have to pay for yeah so yeah so yeah, it's she, it's actually not level. yeah so but so the uh, other two girls would be free they're young enough right but anyways one of the coolest things about the conventions is the costume you know, my boys are, have really gotten into costuming. They, they um they love Doctor Who, so all their costumes right now are focused on Doctor Who. And we've done some fun, you know, costumes. Last year, my me and my son built a Dalek costume, and he um won a uh, award at Mile High Con for it. And he uh, when he wore it Comic Con, we had to stop like every five feet because you know a half dozen people wanted to take pictures of us every time we turned around. It was just awesome. So you know, the costuming is a huge part of it. And um this first one is articles called Treat Her Like a Tardis Princess. And I remember seeing the pictures of this young lady, um, Sasha Trebane, um, on Facebook. And her, she handmade this dress. This dress was shown by, she did all the work on it. This is an awesome dress. It's that really on, cool. It looks like a Tardis. Then she can, uh, um, it looks like Velcro holds it on. She can flip part of the dress open and you see the inside of the Tardis. I remember seeing these pictures going, oh my god, that is awesome. It's it's fantastic and yeah. it's artistic. It's pretty yeah. cool. It's beautiful. And when I saw her, you know, my first thought was, well, uh, you know, I, I looked at it and thought, the first thing was, this is an awesome dress. Second thought, I honestly thought she was actually kind of cute. I liked her smile. And I had a bit of a kinky thought 
as to where the position of the TARDIS interior is. So it's, <laughs> it shocked me to no end when I saw this stuff that apparently some assholes uh, were criticizing the fact that she was a bit hefty. Because I never saw that. I look at the pictures, and she looks to me like about an average-sized woman. Actually, she's, she's not, she looks like she's got pretty healthy curves on her. She looks like yeah. a real woman. Yeah, uh, to me, there's nothing unattractive about her. But there were assholes out there that started dogging on her size. Well, and Ian, the difference between you and these guys who are dogging on her for their, for their size is that you've actually been in a room with a real woman. <laughs> and uh, I've seen... Enough said. I've seen large-sized women who wear costumes to the conventions that are probably a bit tight, a bit much, and aren't flattering to their figure. This dress flatters her figure so well. You know, you can't even criticize that. And to actually come out and start, you know, really being this crude about it, it just crosses a line that, I mean, you look at the works you've done on the costume, first and foremost, to me, and think that is brilliant. If the first thing you're looking at is the size of the person wearing it, then you don't get it. And, you know, it... Yeah. The, the, My I question mean, is, think, why are these people so small that they have to try to hurt somebody else to make themselves feel better? Yeah, it, it makes no sense. So there's no justification for it, no rationale. These people need help. They, and they need to get with the real world. Because you know, a dress like that is an award-winning dress in most costume contests. And, you know, so, right. and I've seen this stuff before, and it's always puzzled me because I don't, I, I can't understand that mindset. I Listen, also I did in. some looking about, around, about her, and apparently she's a professional model. Hmm. Okay, well, like I said, I, I loved her smile. I mean, you, you look at her smile in those pictures, and it is a great smile. So I could definitely see some of that. You know, she has, a, and the way she um, is posing with the dress, she definitely has a, uh, um, you know, a feel for it. You know what, though? But this this is typical internet types of stuff where these people yeah. can re- remain, you know, nameless. They're behind their keyboard. They can sit around and they can say this kind of stuff, and there's very little, you know, retribution yeah. for, for well, And our second kind of story stuff. actually goes into that, Um, the second story here. And it's a, it's a very similar thing. Another one of those, like, what the hell's wrong with these people thing? Uh, and th- this article is actually from the lady herself. And the article is, I'm a black female cosplayer, and some people hate it. Basically, um, this young lady who is, you know, much more does the conventions, love dressing up, she loves doing cos- cosplay, however it's pronounced. Cosplay. Um, and, of course, well, you know, a big thing there is the anime characters. Apparently, she's a huge fan of Sailor Moon, and her favorite Sailor Moon character is Sailor Venus. So she decided to dress up in Sailor Venus for a uh, um, convention. Well, the young lady is black, and Sailor Venus is a white character. Oh, God. Personally, she looks fine in the costume. I, you know, but, um, after she put the picture up online, apparently there was a whole bunch of comments coming back out, oh, a black person doing that? No, that doesn't, you know, for a black person it was okay. Stuff like that. It's like, what? <sighs> How come a black person isn't, you know, given the same respect as a white person in this case? Why are you saying that you know, making it sound like race has something to do with your ability to dress up in beautiful costumes. And this article is her article. She wrote it herself, talking about her experience with it. And one of the things she goes in is it's these people online who are hiding, kind of hiding behind the um, indirect contact who are making the comment. They, they'd never be willing to do this to her face. But when they can hide behind a, you know, hey, look, ha ha, from afar, they can get away with it. 
and it's sad. It really is. You look at her costumes, he does some beautiful work. I see he has a really attractive little kinky um, Captain America costume in one picture. That is um, nicely done. It's a little steampunky. <laughs> with the corset and so forth. Yeah. Looks good. Yeah. But see, I'm, you know, it's something she has a passion for and is good at, and I think she looks good in her costume. And she talks about how why is it an issue for a black woman to dress up as a white character? Because it, it even says at one point, it doesn't seem like there's an issue of white people dressing up as black characters. And she talked about uh, she has an Indian friend who refused to do anything other than Indian characters because of concern over the criticism. And it, it's like, uh, and it's another one of those things. I was raised with, uh, honestly, you know, Stephen Colbert jokes about it, but I do have somewhat of a blinder when it comes to race. It, it's something that, I, it's not, you know, when I meet a person, that's far, one of the farthest things from the first things I think about when I meet them. And to have so many people out there that that's one of the first things they notice, one of the first things they judge a person on, floors me. It, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, I, I can't grasp my mind around how you do that, how you get into you know, that point. Noticing that somebody is black is not necessarily being racist. <laughs> I mean, it's just who they are. Well, noticing it, but, but making it into an issue of what, how you judge them, well, how you sure. view them is. And to say that to say that this this character cannot be reinterpreted by another person is also it's it's not right. Right. Right, but it's interesting though. We've stigmatized this so much. We, my my sister and I were out bowling, and one of her professors from college was there. One of her her tax professor, and he was a black man. And she's like, "Yeah, my tax professor's here." I'm like, "Well, which one is he?" And she wanted to say everything, but he's the black man. But yet, that was the most unique identifier. And you wouldn't. In, in, but we don't have the same issues. Like if he's the Asian, oh, it's the Asian gentleman over there, right? I I I. But it's like I. But it's like yes, he is the black man. He, that makes him identifiable, and now I know who you're talking about. It's not a judgment, sure. but but the but you can. But it's like that is an identifier. And if you're a, if you're a white person amongst a sea of black people, you're the white person's an identifier. I mean, it's just it, we 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 sometimes stigmatize stuff way too much too. We sure. we can go Agreed. the other way to into political correctness that is just ridiculous. Agreed. But in this case, it is. Deciding that you can view her ability to cosplay on whether she's black or not. And that makes no sense. It, it doesn't work. And once more, it's one of the things I love about the um, convention community is, for the most part, they're non-judgmental. I mean, you have every, every race there. You have every sexuality. You know, it is a melting pot. It's a huge melting pot. And for the most part, they get along. I mean, that's one thing I love about Mile High Con, and that's one of the conventions I've gone to for over 20 years now, is everything is there, and it's not like you say, oh, look at that person. He's a, um, there are transvestites there. There are transgendered people. There are, you know, but we don't sit back and avoid them. I sit and have conversations with them as if they were regular people because they are regular people. And so anytime, especially when I see it in a community like this that I am part of and that I have a passion for, it bothers me and puzzles me because it shouldn't be there. It shouldn't be anywhere, it, but it definitely shouldn't be in this kind of a community. Yeah, you would think that, that the people who have been discriminated against for being who they are and go to these kind of conferences for a chance to be with their own people and be able to express themselves the way they want would have a little bit more understanding about how yeah. doing that same discrimination to somebody else is retarded. <laughs> now, I did love she was talking about, because uh, apparently someone talked about how you should stay in your character range. She's like, characters in my range, 
Comic book heroines and anime characters are typically about six feet tall, have basketballs for boobs, and probably weigh around 110 pounds. They're not in anybody's range. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but essentially what they're saying is, couldn't you have done a storm costume? And and she actually mentioned storm, saying that actually one of the most beautiful storm costumes she's ever saw was a white woman doing storm. And she thought it was the most impressive one she had ever seen. So, you know. Yeah, I I, I, I almost said Ali Berry. <laughs> yeah. No, she but looks great. I mean, th- this person looks great in all these costumes. She's well within her range. I mean, yeah. well, I mean, what, what do you what do you want to say? I mean, here, here here's the bigger problem. This is a woman doing Captain America. Shouldn't that be the bigger problem? What's oh, the yeah. internet rule? I don't know it right offhand, but rule like thirty four or something. I've heard something about it. I've never looked anything up, but I, I've actually heard references to it. I don't know about it. But oh, that's... Okay, it's not Rule 34, which is if there if it exists, there is porn for it. Oh, okay. Well, here's the, here's the thing, is that the idea of keeping something in your range... I mean, the whole purpose of comic book stuff is that these people aren't real. That's why we like them. That's why they're fun to emulate, is that they're not real people. They're they're above and beyond. So, okay, so it's this Rule I, 63. Rule 63 is the rule of the internet that reads as follows. For any given male character, there is a female version of that character. Sure. Okay. The only rule, the only exceptions to the rules are in the instance that A, the male character is already so androgynous that a female version would be basically the same, or B, the female version hasn't been drawn yet. Like Superman? Well, I think more like Aquaman. No, the the whole the the whole idea that that you sh- that you should try to pick somebody that you know ugh, that's in your range is yeah. absolutely freaking ridiculous. And and yeah, the the whole thing about them being six foot and basketballs for boobs is absolutely true. Yeah, I the basically the whole point of cosplaying is to be able to step into your fantasy. Well, that, yeah, that that's my that's and the, what yeah. they're saying is that what they're essentially saying about this woman is her fantasies are wrong, her fantasies are out of place, and who are they to say that? You well, know, she might be wrong about her tastes about Sailor Moon, though. <laughs> if her tastes if you if her tastes or you're saying of of her choice of Sailor, to, I'm Sailor saying, Moon, yeah, I'm, fantasy, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm saying yeah, that yeah, could be yeah, a point. Yeah, yeah, you may have a good point there. <laughs> I was going to say though, if her Sailor Moon costume is wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> no, 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 no. The costume's fine. <laughs> Not having an issue with the costume. All right, I I think that I think that we've made our point on this. She can dress however she wants. So can the other lady. Yep. So say we all. There we go. Let it be done. <laughs> In fact, maybe I'll suggest a costume for her. She has nice legs. Yes, he does have nice legs. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and quite frankly, we, we are overly judgmental of how people look in general. Yeah. And, and, and I know that, you know, and even as a person, I, I, I catch my, I, I try to really catch myself, but I think we all have those tendencies at times and we have to, and we have to step outside of ourselves and realize what we're doing. You know, if we're, if sure. we're honest, I mean, that's, that's the that's what maturity is, right? right? Not not stopping yourself from having the, the random thoughts you have, but being smart enough not to post them on the internet. <laughs> exactly. <Right. laughs> or to or to the very least to just to analyze those thoughts and say, okay, why am I having this thought, and is this really who I want to be? No, yeah. That, that yeah, exactly. You know, I, I think there's another point here, which is that there's kind of a there's kind of a thought here that if if a woman is cosplaying, 
she needs to look appropriate. And when they're saying look appropriate, they're also saying that if a woman is cosplaying, that she needs to look attractive as whatever she's cosplaying. And that's a sad double standard, too, because, you know, the guys who are cosplaying, in a lot of cases, are nowhere near that same kind of level of physical attractiveness that she is. Yeah. Although I'll admit, I, I don't think I'd ever do a character where I had to take my shirt off. Are you I don't kidding? think anyone wants to see that. I, I, I'm totally seeing a beer gut Captain America in your future. <laughs> <laughs> and on that and note... that visual. <laughs> <laughs> Say goodnight, everybody. Goodnight. Goodnight. Good and thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics Podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons No Derivatives 3.5 license. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. Amateur Skeptics website, Facebook, and podcast album art is provided by and copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture. Larger prints or custom pieces are available upon request. 